hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. Today, we've got the outdoor extraordinaire, Duke Holmes, on the podcast today. How are you doing today, Duke? Doing just fine. Man, welcome. Thanks for coming on. We got a lot to talk about. A lot. First thing, you got an anniversary coming up because we were just talking about how long you've been here. You and I started the same year and you you started before I did earlier in 98 where I came later in 98 and your anniversary, your 20, 24 years? 24, I think. It's I think it's this Saturday. This Saturday. The we ought to we, we ought to have a party, man. We should. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's start off by talking about your history with Green Top, kind of your specialties here, and what you know what you enjoy doing because you are an outdoor extraordinaire. Usually, when I have questions about equipment, boots, footwear, apparel, clothing, I like to rely on your opinion on a lot of that stuff because I, I value your opinion because you you understand what quality equipment is all about and why it's important. That's right. I've been doing it. Doing it a long time. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you're you're big in the back, backpacking. You used to be a lot of backpacking. Did a lot of backpacking. Do a lot of canoeing, hiking, camping. Well, you usually do an annual trip to Maine. We go to Maine every year. How many miles do you do you do up there? Two weeks to three weeks, and we probably go, you know, one hundred to two hundred miles on the river. On the river. It's a long ways, man. It's a long ways. It's a lot of logistics. Yeah, I mean, how do you, get, I mean, to plan a trip like that, it takes a lot of planning. You don't just, you don't just get together one night with some people and say, all right, let's, let's do 200 miles. No, you need to plan out your food, your menu, pack every day's food individually. If not, you're going to wind up hungry. Oh, yeah. Because you won't take enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you something. What is the one thing, because you've been on a lot of, whether it's backpacking trips, canoeing trips, or whatever it is, what's the one thing that you will always, never, ever forget to take with you when you go on a trip like that? Is there one thing that stands out? Is like, is it a tool or is it a particular thing? Rain gear and, and, and a good pocket knife. Yeah. Got to have it. You got to have it. You want to stay dry, and, you, and of course, the pot, everybody knows you the importance of You need a good pocket, pocket knife. knife. Yeah. Matches, lighters. You ever, uh, I mean, you've been on so many trips. You had any? You ever had any scary, oh, shit moments, you know, like? Uh, well, we've left some things behind yeah. at certain camps, and when you can't go back and get them. Yeah, because it's back up river, it's, right? It's a, yeah, it's just not logistically possible. I mean, you just can't get back there to it. Right. Left a camera lens one year. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that was bad. Mm. Oh, it was in a burn area. That was up in Ontario. It's been, of all the places you've been to, what what is one of the I guess one of the coolest places you've been to? I mean, I know you, you enjoy Maine doing that just Maine, about every year. Maine is you can get to Maine easy. Right. You can drive there or fly. The neatest trip was when I went to the Nahani River. Where's that? I think that was back in ninety one. That's up in the Northwest Territory. Okay. And that's a, all a wild and scenic river. It's on the UN's, you know, preserve places. Right. And there's there may be a hundred people go down it a year. That's it. That's it. It's similar to the Grand Canyon. Okay. It's four canyons. So you've only done that once. One time. It's very expensive. Oh, okay. But it's, it's, it was worth it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a well, two you were, week, you were two a week trip. 
And you were a younger man then. I was a little younger then, yes. <laughs> a little bit younger. So would you say you're, you enjoy canoeing more than the backpacking? Canoeing's easier. You can carry more equipment with you, so it's a lot easier. Not as hard on the feet. It definitely isn't. Or the back. Which I'm glad you brought up the feet because for somebody that does a lot of hiking, backpacking, your, your footwear is extremely important. When it comes to staying comfortable and feet staying dry and all that, right? It is. It is. And, and, and hunting as well. And hunting as well, yes. Would you, uh, socks, footwear, what, what do you feel is the best thing to consider when, when you're, uh, depend, I mean, depending on if you're hunting or hiking or whatever, but uh, hunting boots is easy because most people don't travel very far when right. they're hunting right. unless they're going out west if they're on an elk hunt or something like that right but uh what are, what are some tips I, I guess for you being an outdoors guy and a, and a backpacker and a hiker on socks let's just say keeping the feet dry you want to keep the feet dry i mean that's the key to cut down on blisters right uh, liner socks polypro liner socks mm-hmm. foot powder and then a good wool sock even in the summertime right because wool is going to dry from the inside out and your feet are going to stay a lot drier and healthier. So no matter if it's winter or summer, if you're hiking, a, a liner with a wool sock year-round. It's the way to go. Yeah. yeah. Now, you don't have to get a real heavy wool sock right. in the summertime. You can go to a lighter weight one, but that's what you want to use. Right. Always wool. Okay. As far as the actual footwear, you've never really been a rubber rubber boot guy, have you? No, I have a pair of uh, lacrosse rubber yeah. boots. I use those for certain things. Certain things. Mm-hmm. Because they're not the most comfortable. No, they're not really designed for long-distance walking. They'll keep you dry. They do. They keep you dry. They're great for early season, like turkey hunting. Yep. They keep the the bugs off of you. Mm Mm-hmm. What else uh, do you specialize in here at Green Top? I know because we talk about uh, footwear and apparel. You know, you're you're kind of my go-to on apparel, too, because you you see – you can find quality and stuff, but – what else is it that you specialize in? Well, here? we do the knives. Yep. We do the safes. Gun safes. We do the black powder and the muzzle loading. And the muzzle loading, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, safes and firearm storage. Uh, important part of owning firearms because one, it keeps them keeps them safe from others getting their hands on them. Correct. It also keeps them safe from environmental things, moisture, things like that. Rust. Rust. Fire fire all that yes and it's not just you know people think gun safes they think these giant heavy safes but the safe world now is is pretty vast and just and and they come in all shapes and sizes you can get stuff down to something as small as just fitting one little semi-auto or revolver or you know to something that'll fit multiple stuff right whether it's a handgun safe Mm -hmm. keep next to the bed right or if it's a big safe that carries you hold 50 firearms, right. long guns. I mean, you don't need to get a 50 gun. You could get a, a 10 gun or a 20 gun. Right. How big should you buy? You want to buy bigger than what you have. Right. Because you're always going to add more to it. You're going to put more in that safe than just guns. Right. I mean, you may put documents in there. You may put uh, jewelry, jewelry, silver, cash, yeah. photographs. I mean, they are fire-lined. They're not fireproof, but they're fire-lined. So explain that. Most of the safes are going to start out with a fire rating. They start at 30 minutes at 1,200 degrees. Most of them are going to be 60 minutes at 14, and then you can go up from there. But it's 
it's a fire lining. It's not going to make it 100% fireproof. Right. If you store your documents in there, you want to put those in a fire box, right. a fire envelope inside the safe. Right. Because it's a greater chance of that stuff surviving or, Correct. or not getting damaged if they're inside of something else. Correct. Most of your linings are rated when paper chars. Right. Okay. So that's how you kind of judge. And that's right. like 275, I think, when paper starts to burn. Right. And a firearm will take more heat than, than paper. Sure. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people automatically assume that, oh, it says it's a safe must be fireproof. So no matter what, if my house can burn down around that safe, everything's going to survive. That's not the case. Not 100% the right, case. Right. So fire protection is important, but most all the name brand safes out there right now are probably going to have close to the same amount of fire protection. Is that correct? Pretty close. And pretty close. Pretty close. They play with the numbers a little bit. And I mean, it all depends what you, you pay. Can, you can kind of see where they're coming from. Right. But they all, you know, most of them have decent fire protection. Yeah. And it's not really a deciding factor in what's going to sell more than – it's uh, usually it's how attractive the safe is and how much, uh, I guess, the size, how many guns Correct. or how many things. How many you guns fit. you have that are going in there, the type of guns. Right. You know, and then how you can configure it to fit, you know, other stuff. And I guess another rule is, too, like uh, a lot of safes are what, uh, th- say, a 36-gun safe, they call it. Technically, you're only going to fit like what 28 in that well, thing. That's 36 Red Riders, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you got to if you have a scoped rifle or ARs or double barrel, they're all going to take. They're going to take more up more room. space. Yeah, correct. Which is why you should always go a little bit bigger. A little bit bigger, as long as your place in your home right. uh, allows for that. Unless you need to add an addition. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, keeping moisture out. When I mean, you talked about rust. That's always an issue, and a lot of people just don't don't ever think about it. I, it's happened to me before. I've you know I figured I was good, and then next right. thing you know, I mean, even in a, a silicone gun sock, I right. like to keep a lot of my guns in a silicone gun sock inside the safe. Right. But even that's not sometimes enough protection, especially if depending on where you, your safe is being stored. See, a lot of these safes, the problem with the safe, it didn't necessarily outside moisture. It's the atmosphere that the safe builds up inside when you don't go in and out of it. Right. You got to change that air in there. Right. Okay. So your silicon gun sock, your hydrosorb, or something similar right. that's absorbing moisture, if it's in your living space of the house, work fine. Right. Now, if you've got it down in a in a basement or outside somewhere in a in a shed, a garage. You're probably going to want to put one of the dry rods in there, which is a heating element that's going to be a constant heat inside that safe and force that air to change. Right. That's how it works. That's how, I mean, because that's, a lot of people think, well, it's just it's just sucking all the moisture out of there. No, no, no. But. No. It's actually forcing the air to circulate in that safe. To keep it moving. Correct. So you have a constant change in. Right. Okay. Because you're not going in and out of that safe every day. You don't go in and out of it every day. If you did, then you wouldn't have a problem. Right. I don't really go into my safe as much. Some people may, but Some I don't. Some people may not. They may yeah. not go in there for a month or so at a time. And see, I made the mistake. I got two safes. I didn't buy big enough, so I, I, I had to buy two. I had to buy a smaller one. I will say, if you move, it's easier to move two smaller safes than one big exactly, one. Exactly, yes. 
Yes. But um, so if you know you're going to move in the future, it might be smart to do that. Two way. small ones are much easier. Much than easier one to big move. One. Yes, yeah. I will say that. So as far as other safes right now, new technology. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff's going to biometric. There's mechanical versus electronic. You don't see a lot of mechanical dials anymore. No, most it, most of what we're carrying now are the electronic. Yeah, it's easier. It's quicker to access it. You don't need your glasses or a lot of light to see what you're doing. Right. Yeah, because a lot of them are lit up. Most of them now are the EMP proof, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. That issue. They'll warn you when the battery's going. They tell you when the low. battery's getting getting low. Yeah. If if you have an issue with it, it's usually a keypad. One of the numbers are getting tired. Yeah. And you just need to call the manufacturer and get a new keypad. Yeah. And put it on there. Yeah. And most will have a warranty on them. Exactly. And then if it's re- if it's outside the warranty, you can just always order. And They're usually pretty good on something like that. Most of them are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the biometric stuff is getting big, not not in the bigger safes, but the smaller, like Voltec being um, probably probably our bit, our largest. Voltec is a fantastic product. It is. I mean, they they definitely on top of it. Yeah, because they're getting into the bigger safes now, right? They've got some bigger safes, some you know that'll carry they, ARs and for quick access. You've yep. got your Wi-Fi, biometric, great great product. And they stand behind them too, um, and you know you can just look at the product and tell it's good quality. It is, uh, and, and, and man, it man does it move. I mean, we see a lot of that stuff uh, go out of here. We've we're we're low on it right now. I know, we, we we, are. Ricky just did another order on it. Uh, that's what he said. That's that's what he said the, earlier today. <clears throat> yep. I mean, would you would you think that Voltec is probably the more innovative company out there right now? I think Voltec is kind of the leader in the biometrics, at least from what we've seen. Yeah. I mean, you see other companies getting into it, like uh, Hornady, for instance. Hornady's got some biometrics. They've got some great stuff. They've got the little push button, too, yeah. that are great for next to the bed or something. Or the vehicle or to exactly. carry in a car or something like that, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but, you know, the good thing is is there's so much out there to keep your firearm safe from, you know, moisture, safe from theft, safe from from you know, kids getting their hands exactly. on it, whatever it is, whatever the reason for it, you know, uh, it's important to to keep it out of the elements where, wherever. Right. And there's so many options out there right now for it. Even travel um, for gun storage right now. I mean, you can still, you can fly with firearms, but there are certain regulations and, and rules you have to follow. And some of the stuff that's out there now that you can buy to, 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 to store your firearms in and fly with is it's incredibly incredibly good stuff good oh, quality yeah. stuff yeah the pelican boxes yes i mean well you see how you see how bags get handled when you fly oh yeah, oh, yeah. can you imagine what they're doing with a with a, a gun case or something like that i mean i'm sure that it's just, it's just as bad i'm sure yeah <laughs> let's go back to we were talking about knives and you know we just had a law change in virginia that uh now auto auto knives or, or what are they also known as uh, switchblades? Switchblades. What are some of the other Automatics. things they call them? Well, they're just they're they're, they're legal now, right? They're, well, July first, July one, June, June one, July one. Okay, that's good for it's good for it's good for good business. for everybody. It's good for it's business. Good. But now now you don't have to be like a first responder exactly to have or one. Military, can, or military or military. Pretty much anyone now can carry those. 
I guess what differs those from like your normal folders or your um, spring assisted things like that? Well, you've got your spring assist, and it's kind of a terminology thing, a technicality really. But the spring assist, you have to actually give the blade a little push. Right. You have to get it going. Whereas your automatics, you just push the button. Mm-hmm. And it's still spring, but it's going to deploy just by pushing that button. And then there's a folding, the ones that are deployed by folding, and then are there the ones that you've come that – You've got your out the front, right. which comes straight out, and then you've got your ones that come out from the side, your folders. Right. Okay. So you got them either coming straight out the front or you got or the out folder. The side, just but like all, your spring assist. Right. And, but, but, they're, but they're all done by push button. Correct. Medford knives. You're a fan? I'm a fan. You should be because don't, don't you own a couple of those? I've things? got a Medford. Yes. Yeah. It, would you would you say that's your now your your favorite knife? That's probably my favorite knife. Yeah. I mean, there's a t- tell me a little bit about Medford's. I guess and Medford's a pretty much a custom made hands on knife maker, Greg Medford. Yeah. And there's his knives are expensive. There's no question about that. Yeah. But they're state of the art. They're titanium handles on a lot of them. G10. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses S30V steel, which is a crucible steel. He'll use S90, 3V, and D2, all steels he uses. The thing with the Medford knife is it's it's just bomb-proof. Yeah. And they're super durable. If you ever pick one up, you'll understand, because we, we usually have a case full of them here. We do. And they're worth checking out. And if anybody who's not into knives or... Or wants to get in the knives, you got to check out a Medford. You got to check out a Medford. Not only, I mean, it's it's a tool, but it's also a work of art on some of it these really things. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there's something. I don't have one yet. I got to get one. We got to get you one. I know. I, mean, I got a lot of knives. I've, I've I wasn't ever really into knives. A good customer of ours got me into knives years ago. I got into buying. Uh, well, I had a Chris Reeves. Which, uh, but the dozers, these uh, dozer D two knives yeah. uh, mm-hmm. out of Arkansas. I got I've got several of those. You know, those are all fixed blade knives. They're they're not folders, but a lot of the Medfords are folders. They're folders. Yeah. a lot of them they are don't, folders. But he do, he, do, they, he does some he does fixed some blades. fixed blade stuff. Yes, he yeah. does some fixed blades. Yeah, but de- definitely worth checking out, man. They're 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 pretty. Like you said, they're almost like a work of art. They are a work of art. Yeah, and some people buy them, don't even use them. They just collect them. They collect them. Then a lot of people have quite a few of them. Yeah. Well, don't they before they make a before they ship a an order, they kind of they do this thing on YouTube or they'll do their a website. YouTube, depending on how many the vendor buys, they'll do a YouTube kind of giving everybody a heads up on what's going as out. to what's coming. It's uh, kind of an easy way to pre-sell some as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's pretty awesome. Muzzle loading. You were you were into muzzle loading before you started at Green Top, weren't you? I was. So you were. This dates back to the the nineties. This dates back to the old hawking gun. Yeah, because when the inlines, before inlines came around, when inlines just just were coming about. Because wasn't long, you know, when inlines started, what mid early to mid nineties. Mm, sometime in there, night night night, night came night out with the first inline. came out with the inline muzzle loader, the, the Wolverine. The Wolverine, or was it the MK eighty five? MK eighty five. Yeah. I think that was predecessor to the Wolverine. Yep. 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 And before then, I mean, it was just your Hawking style. Hawking style gun. Yeah. There were a few, you know, CVA guns out there, and but yeah, Knight kind of revolutionized. 
It did change change the industry. It did. So you you did a lot of the muzzleloading coming up um, before you got to Green Top, and then of course you you kind of fit right in when you started here. You know, working back in that department, apparel, boots, knives, it was all always been the kind of the same big department. It was. As far as the muzzleloading goes, you know, I know you've always had some tips for everybody or some pet peeves on what people should and shouldn't do. Let's let's talk about those for a minute. One, keeping your stuff clean is is definitely it's you got to the keep vital these thing. things clean. Yeah. I mean that muzzle load, that barrel out of shine inside just like a shotgun. Right. And you see they come in if you shoot that gun, please clean it yeah. that night. Don't yeah. leave it set. Especially if you're using like some of these older powders that are more corrosive. Because people don't realize the damage even though you clean it a couple of days later and don't see any damage, it's done. Right. I mean, it's 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 etched that barrel, and it's going to show up a couple of years down the road. Yeah, and, and that, that's always a big issue because a lot of people put them away at the end of the season. They've shot it, or they just for, they said, oh, I'll clean it next they week. They just forget. And they to just clean forget. It. They forget. Or they'll leave it loaded or whatever, and it goes on. You know, it goes months. Right. And then it's, next thing you know, it's three weeks or maybe even three days before the season opens. It's time to get a new one. And people are scrambling because, one, the gun's not firing, the gun's not grouping, it's filthy, and oh, oh oh no, what what am I going to do? The season's coming in tomorrow, what am I going to do? Right. But that's, that's, that's one of my pet peeves, too, is just, you know, take care of your stuff exactly you know you, you invested whether you invested 150 dollars in a cheaper uh traditions or cva or you know you're spending a thousand dollars on one of these newer long-range bergara muzzleloaders you right. know you know take care of your stuff i mean because it's not that hard to clean them it, now it really is it's not like the old days right i mean it's very simple i mean just i mean you clean them you can clean them with solvent the black powder solvent, or you can use soap and water, hot soapy water, scald it out, oil it, and yeah. you're done. Yep. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. It really isn't. Um, and now you've got um, you got you got some smokeless muzzleloaders out there now too, which are even better. But they, there's a, yeah, they've got some smokeless ones out there. A they've lot got of those some, are custom. Right, they're mostly custom. They're all guns. custom stuff. So. Uh, but yeah. you've got the CVA Paramount. I mean, if you're out there trying to get long range, 300 yep. yards yeah. out of that gun, yeah. Oh, uh, just there's a number of new guns out there. You got the Fire Stick. Yeah, so the Nitro Fire from Traditions. From Traditions, yep. That's that's out there now with the the pre-charged powder, and mm-hmm. it's just like a shotgun shell. Like just put it in there. Yeah, they're making it easier and easier. It's very easy. Do you think that Virginia will go to a straight wall? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if they'll do that. Forty-five, seventy, a lot of, a lot of, like that. Well, a lot of them have gone to, um, was it? I guess four fifties, right? Four fifty Marlin. Um, what are some of the other ones? Four fifty Bushmaster, maybe. No, I'm not sure on that one. And then. Um, Forty-five seventy, or I'm, I'm I'm leaving one out somewhere. I can't remember which what's the other one. Oh, that smaller one is it? Three fifty, three fifty legend. That I'm not sure. I just think, I think some of the uh, central or northern states have mm-hmm. gone to that during their black powder season. Right. There's that is accepted, right. and it's not just in a single shot. It could be in a bolt action too, 
which I don't know defeats the purpose. Do you really call it a black powder season anymore? Ah, that's tough. It is. That's tough. I don't think Virginia will go to it. I don't think so. Yeah, they're too old school. The DWR is. Um, what else you want to talk about, Duke? What else is uh? What? what uh, well, I know. I know you've always been into bear hunting. You've always been after that bear. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's tough getting a bear. It is. I finally did get one a couple of years back. You did. It was before COVID. Yes, it was. You got, it was at least you got a, got a pre-COVID bear. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and where'd you? Uh, you ended up going out western part of the state to get that. Up in Lexington. Oh, Le- old Lexington. Yeah, up in the mountains. Yeah. That yeah, was I know. Something. It was, man. I'm, I, I, I remember you were you were trying and trying and trying, and, to, and it finally paid off for you. It finally. It took a while, and it, it was, you know, it was tough getting that bear. Well, getting you know, out of the woods was the a tough lot of, part. A lot. Well, I, I bet it was. <laughs> yeah, they're not easy to move. But a lot of people try for bear, and they always get one when they least expect it. Exactly. You know, it's just it's funny how it works like that, because uh, uh, I I only see bear when I least expect it. Like in my yard, I've it, gone I've gone all the way to Maine to go on bear hunts and never seen a bear. And there's one. And in come the home and there's one in the backyard. You know, it's just that's just the way that's just the way it works. That's but, it. Um, but no. So going back to gun safes, uh, I meant to ask you this earlier. You know, we you know we've got um, got Browning. We carry the Browning and the big bigger safe line, and we, we got uh, Voltec and the smaller safe stuff. Um, Hornady, Hornady, and um, Rhinos. We carry the Rhinos, and Kodiaks, Kodiaks. Yep, and there's may there's maybe a chance we might be picking up a new company here soon. We may, we may, we may we not. May. We'll see. We that, may. That'll all, it may happen next week. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Knives covered in knives. We got the autos. Got the autos. We got the Cobra Tech. We've got some. So yeah, that's it? right. Cobra Tech, Cobra Tech is, is in. We've got some Bokers. Well, Cobra Tech. So where does that fall as far as the quality? It's, does it fall like is it like Benchmade quality or is it Spyco? Uh, well, you've got your Benchmades. So they're going to be headed in here. We've got Microtechs coming. That's kind of your top top names, I think. Yeah. Uh, Boker and Cobra Tech are pretty similar. Okay. Good, good price point, good value for your dollar. Yeah. Good steel in the blade. So you got any trips this year planned? Hope to go to Maine in August. That's well, you haven't been in a while, have you? No, we've been. We missed one year. Oh, you missed the one year, we COVID missed the year, COVID year, COVID year. Okay. And then we went late the year last year. I was, think, was it back it last in sep- year? Was it September? We went in like late October. The one oh, year. Oh, that's right. That's right. And that's. Probably a little too late to go canoeing. <laughs> <laughs> weather, big big weather swing. Uh, yes, from August it to October was, uh, up there. At that two weeks difference made quite a bit of difference. I bet it did. It was uh, an eye opener. So how and and how far up in Maine are you going? We're going north of Baxter State Park. So how so I mean how Baxter, far up is that? Baxter's kind of right in the middle of the state. So okay. in the northern part of maine is it pretty pretty isolated out there there's not much around or it's, there's well there's no cell phone coverage so. you see a lot of people on the river no you don't see a whole lot of people it depends when you go summertime you'll see some people on the the west branch but on later you don't well i mean do you ever like you're coming down the river and you ever wonder like how much of that land is owned by well right now 
the state of Maine has they board they own the land that borders the West Branch of the Penobscot. Okay. So it's all so it's all protected. state it's, it's all, all state land. Yeah, it's all state protected now. So yeah, and that's where we usually go. We'll go from Greenville and go up Moosehead and cross over where Henry David crossed in Northeast Cary. Okay. And put in on the West Branch. Nice. Okay. It's kind of a historic route. Yeah. And the weather up here in August, uh, bugs aren't too bad? No, no. No bugs, really, in August. But the heat's not as bad up there either. No. It's it's actually pretty cool at nighttime. August is kind of a transition month where things are starting to change over. Yeah. Okay. And you know, and it's not like down here on the Mattapanai or the uh, Mattapanai is nice, but you need. Well, you don't to have to take out a lot up there, do you? No, no, no. <laughs> it's not like there's not a lot of blowdowns. You don't have like a that. lot of trees in right, the way. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the water flow is a little bit different up there too. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, down here, uh, I know because you just re- you recently did a long what a two day float on the Mattapanai uh, solo two and a half. Put in up in Ruther Glen and went down to Aylet. And you were all by yourself? All by myself. And you, I don't think you saw anybody for what? I didn't see anybody. Yet. Yeah, and, that, and that's like... March. And that's <laughs> literally... Well, it was March, yeah. But that's literally, you know, what? Not 30 minutes from here. And yeah, you it's went, not very far. And you went two days without seeing a soul. Without seeing a single person. And I bet it was pretty nice, too. It was. It? <laughs> it was. It was a real interesting trip. I bet it was. Did you have to take out a lot? A lot. I'm sure you did. There was a lot of blowdowns, a lot yeah. of trees and... Well, there's some parts of the river that, you know, nobody goes down that, that there. No. You know? No. I mean, if you got – if something happened to you back there, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, well, you've got cell coverage. You do at least have cell coverage, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, I've been I've been above there where you were. Right. Where it's it's parts there where it's – I don't know I don't know how you would even get to that part of the river without going in above, like, where, where Milford is and, and just heading – Heading down. Heading down. Because it's, it's really pretty remote back it's then. Very remote, and the fishing's pretty good too. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you did you fish much? I did not fish that trip. You were just trying I to stay on your schedule. Primarily just exploring it. Yeah, because I hadn't been there. Would you go back and do it again? Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I, I picked it right. The timing the time was year. right. You know, wasn't a lot of snakes out yet. Yeah. in March. Yeah, because there's plenty so, of those on the Mattapanai. Exactly. Yeah. Went during that warm weekend, so I kind of lucked out. Yeah, it, it was a perfect time. Were those? Uh, I know there's some Indian caves along there, but were, was it along that route that you were on, or was it, was it? I'm trying to remember where those Indian caves are that they they found them. They found them like I don't know, twenty twenty five years ago. Really? I yeah, don't, but I don't think it's on your route. Okay, that, that the route that you went on, I can't. I think it's further above that. I'll have to find out. You can go check those out. I'll have to. Well, Duke, thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, thanks for having me, honey. Happy anniversary coming up. Cause, ah, I uh, that's right. Because mine will, mine will be in October, um, you know, 20, 24 years, I guess. Yeah. It's been a long time, it's man. It's been a while. It's been a long run. It has. Yeah. It's been a good run. It has been. It has been. But uh, thanks again for being here and uh, sharing uh, sharing your background, sharing your experiences and um, your expertise on 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 these certain things all right thank you hunter all right thanks for being here thanks for listening to the green top outdoors podcast hunting fishing and all things outdoors it's not just a hobby it's a lifestyle like and subscribe to the green top outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about green top at greentophuntfish.com